Welcome to Building the Bluegrass, a podcast dedicated to cool stuff made in Kentucky. We want to share with you how it was made, why it was made, and the story behind it. And now, here's your host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Built in the Bluegrass. We have Alex Risen here from the Big Ass Fans Company. I think that's right, isn't it? It's not Big Ass. Is it still fans or is it something else now? No, you're right. We've gone through a, a whole branding rigmarole, though. We had Haiku Home, Big Ass Solutions, Big yeah. Ass Light. So it's it's real simple now, again, just Big Ass Fans. Got it. And we're not trying to use profanity here. That's really the name of of their company. Many of you have probably heard of it. They're a pretty big employer in Lexington, Kentucky. But yeah, we have uh, Alex with us today to talk about big ass fans, you know, why they're in Kentucky, the things they do, uh, how they do it, why they do it, et cetera. And just want to ex- explain a little bit more and learn what it is they get uh, into every single day and what solutions they provide right here in our own Kentucky backyard. So Alex, if you would just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, some of the transitions of the names of the brands that you've got. Tell us a little bit about you know, what has happened lately uh, and just a brief overview of, of yourself and the company. Yeah, Griffin, well, you know, on, on my side, personally, uh, you know, I was born and raised here in Kentucky. I'm from Louisville, graduated from the University of Kentucky, and then uh, worked in the television world for quite some time. So I did that before uh, joining Bath uh, here at the end of 2018. I uh, worked over at uh, WYMT down in Hazard, Kentucky, the CBS affiliate down there for a little while as a sports guy. And then I worked at uh, ABC 36 in Lexington as the uh, sports director up there. So uh, it was fun doing the TV stuff, but you know, the, the time came to make a change and now I'm in the corporate marketing communications world. So a big ass fan is a perfect place to land uh, as something that has continued to grow. You know, started in 1999 as the HVLS fan company changed the name in 2003 to big ass fans. And, and now we've gone through two different sales here, including one recently. So just continue to, to take off and, and really bring our uh, mission and vision to the entire world. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, changes in ownership. I remember there being a deal back a few years ago, but wasn't there one a little more recently? Uh, yeah. I mean, and we'll get to your commitment to Kentucky and the, the reason that, you know, new ownership or management teams, et cetera, have kept it here. Uh, but what have those transitions been and who is the current structure ownership, et cetera? Yeah, so the founder and owner, uh, originally Kerry Smith, sold the company back in December of 2017 uh, to Lindsey Goldberg as a private equity firm from uh, from New York. And then they recently uh, sold the company again to Madison Industries, which is based out of Chicago. They have a lot of indoor air quality solutions, a lot of airflow solutions, uh, not necessarily you know household names that you might know at home, but uh, one of them is, is Bro Newtone. Uh, folks at home might know that when they're up in Wisconsin. Uh, they make bathroom exhaust fans and kitchen exhaust fans. So if you if you stop at Home Depot or Lowe's, yeah. it's uh, about eighty percent of the market is is those guys. Um, so they they certainly understand air movement. They understand indoor air quality and, and wanting to continue to improve it. And that's kind of been their whole vision is we want to make the world safer, healthier, more productive. And so those three things were already something that I wrote on, on the PR side for here, big ass fans uh, for the last three years. So it's a really pleasant transition. Uh, to work with somebody that has the same like-minded vision that you have for for what you want to do. Yeah, we're familiar with New Tone. I, and you're right. You do see them in the Home Depot section for where you can get a bath fan for $10. It's like, how do you do that? And there's <laughs> several other things that come along with it. But uh, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about there's been two transitions. Um, yeah. And, you know, this 
the goal of Built in the Bluegrass is just to highlight businesses and why they do business here and and why they stay here, why they like it. You know, we can get into some of the cultural things about, you know, why you stay here, what you think makes you tick. But tell us, you know, why did they stick with Lexington? You know, I think you said that of how many employees you have, most are in, you know, this area. So how come the commitment did stay with it? Is it the the personnel? You know, walk us through why you decided to stay where you are. Obviously through the transitional period, you know, anything can always happen. And so when you have that transition, you know, everybody who's working there obviously wants the company to continue moving forward in that direction. So they continue to have jobs, you know, at their homes that they've built. And I think that both of our uh, private owners have understood if you got a good thing going, you don't necessarily have to shake the boat in, in that way. And so it's really given everybody the opportunity to say, is, this is an attractive place here in Lexington, Kentucky is our global headquarters. You know, we have three buildings on our main campus. And so it's just one of those things where you build that infrastructure here, you have the roots here, um, and, and really you have you know a lot of equity kind of already into this um, into this campus. And so to to rip it up and go somewhere else, it has to be a really sweet deal, right? There would have to be a really sweet pot to say I'm going to uproot everything I have and go to a new location. Um, not that somebody doesn't you know like Lexington or does like Lexington, but it just makes sense having the infrastructure here and in place. Um, three quarters of our suppliers are within a day's drive of Lexington. Um, so that, that's a big benefit too. You can get north and south really easily. Is so. that suppliers to you for your materials or people that you supply? Okay. Nope. Suppliers, uh, that, that give us our raw materials and raw goods that we turn into the products that we wind up selling. Um, so to be able to have all of our vendors, you know, basically right, right here. Um, you know, we get a, a few things from outside of that range. Uh, we do get a motor, uh, for our residential model out of Mexico. Um, so it is a big component when you think of, you know, what we get um, uh, as a collective whole. And then one of them comes from, I mean, we have a gearbox that comes from Italy, uh, Bonfiglioli. So, you know, it depends on, you know, where we're getting stuff, but uh, it's pretty tough to, to beat from you know, a supply chain standpoint that you can get to your suppliers and have a face-to-face conversation um, if you need to. Obviously in this day and age, you know, there's a lot of virtual, or a lot of phone calls, but to be able to go correctively fix something, if you do have a quality issue at a supplier, um, it only takes a day to get there. And so that's, that's something we definitely pride ourselves on uh, from a supply chain standpoint. And I, yeah, and that's really been tested. Uh, we've had numerous you know, manufacturers that were discussing, you know, in the process of making their widgets, those who had the, I don't want to say a, just a true sense of nationalism where basically everything came from a local provider but those who had a better um, local distribution pattern uh, did have an easier last year because they weren't having to deal with all the international issues or certain things have to do with borders and not even to go back years and talk about tariffs and things of that nature. But that is a, you know, that's a very real thing. I think you will see a, a sense of this nationalism uh, coming about where they they want your suppliers to be local and we want to be able to not be dependent on the things that failed during, you know, the crisis that we went through. So if, as far as that's your taking in of materials, what about your output? Uh, how much of that is local, regional, nationwide? Yeah. Is it more global? Um, and just give us a rough estimate of estimates, you know, 80% are domestic and 20% are international, et cetera. So you're good, Griffin. Uh, you nailed it. 80% is, is domestic yeah. here in the U S and, and nice. 20% is international. 
and that main 20% is going to go through our, our sub offices. We do have, you know, sales and marketing office in Canada, um, just outside Toronto. And then we have one in Australia as well as Singapore. So, you know, we have the tentacles that are out there that handle other parts of the world. Um, obviously Canada is, is really close uh, with us and in tune with what we're doing. And then Australia and Singapore handle that, that APAC, you know, part of the world. And so we, we cover pretty much everything. We're in 175 countries now, uh, products that are sold. Um, and we have uh, really almost a million fans that are now spending and 80% of the fortune 500. So it's, it's a wide ranging, you know, diverse group that, that does buy our products. Um, obviously we've sold a lot in Kentucky being a Kentucky company to a lot of Kentucky manufacturers. That's, uh, kind of the bread and butter is the industrial side, but um, certainly uh, all over the world. Um, and, and again, those those three sub offices handle the majority of that 20%. We do have some international business that's handled here from Lexington with our USX team. But again, the majority is going to be those three sub offices. So you mentioned there, you know, do it what it is you do. Uh, tell us, what do you do? Like what happens? I, I mean, I guess it all ha- takes place here in Lexington where you're you're producing you know, the fan, you're getting it on the road, you're logistically getting it to the, the end buyer, but tell us what it is you do. You know, there's companies who come out and say, you know, we're not a beer company, we're a beverage company. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to say we're not a fan company, we're a comfort company. You know, what is the whole, you know, your why or, you know, what it is yeah. that you're doing every day, how you're doing it and why you're doing it? Yeah, there's certainly the, uh, you know, that, that sense of pride that, you know, the people who are across the street from where I'm sitting right now, I'm in our global HQ office, but, you know, global manufacturing is a stone's throw away on Innovation Drive uh, right there in the in the Bluegrass Industrial Park. And so that, that's something that we, you know, definitely take uh, a sense of pride in the fact that our people are, are working underneath our fans and, and we're making fans and, and products that we know that are going to go serve people just like them. And, and that, that, that means a lot. And I think that there's a, a great sense of, of mission there to say, we want to help make the world a safer, healthier, more productive place. Um, again, a lot of that's going to be on the industrial side, but, you know, on the commercial side uh, and even residential side, we have products, you know, big and small, obviously the main, most people think, uh, certainly the ones that have seen our products out in the wild, you know, that you make big ass fans. Yes, we do. Uh, we also make some small and medium ass fans too. So, uh, everything in between, uh, and, and for really every application, it's just about you know delivering the right solution or the right product uh, for a given customer application or a, a given customer project. Whether that's you know Ford and Toyota and GE here in Kentucky, you know they're three of our largest customers. You think about how big those facilities are, you know here in Kentucky. If you've been to that truck plant, if you've been to to- Toyota, if you've been to GE with you know the buildings they have, you know, there's some pretty big facilities. Uh, and so they have a lot of our products and, and I'm certainly proud to use those and we're proud that they're customers. And then, you know, again, we have, you know, somebody like Amazon, you know, all across the globe, you know, they're instituting um, our products and solutions for, you know, their workers and employees too. So, so what else are you doing? You're moving air, you know, what else, <laughs> what else are we doing? You know, what is, yeah. why do I care to have a big ass fan? What's the, I mean, why can't I have a big ass air conditioner? Why can't I have you know something else that's helping me, you know, keep things down with, you know, certain I know there's not water, but whatever the there's new ways of cooling things, you know, that could also be your competition. You know, what else are you doing? I mean, is it just moving air? Is it just the, do you find that your value proposition is we're a lot more economical? You know, yes. what is that you're not you're using a lot less energy? We're using natural things that exist. You know. Help me understand why I need a, a fan as opposed to 
whatever else can accomplish the same things you're trying to accomplish. All the things you mentioned are definitely a part of that process. I mean, you think of an industrial manufacturing facility, um, you know, that's about 60% of our business. Um, it's just not realistic to condition a manufacturing facility that doesn't have the necessarily quote unquote need to condition it, right? If I'm not manufacturing certain parts or pieces that need climate control, the reality is I'm just not going to be able to condition that space. Um, in this day and age, you know, if you could have a hundred percent designated outdoor air system, you know, that's what you would want. It's also incredibly inefficient from an energy standpoint and on the operation side, you know, the bill to run a hundred percent designated outdoor air system would just be outrageous. Um, it's not sustainable. It's not energy efficient. It's just not practical. Um, also you can't necessarily get HVAC systems right now. Um, a lot of stuff is, is, is on back order. Um, we're in a really good position where we don't have, you know, have that as, as a problem, but yeah, we're going to move air around. Now, a fan doesn't cool air. A fan just makes you feel cooler uh, through evaporative cooling. Um, as that sweat evaporates off your skin, you're going to feel cooler. Um, the fact that we've just done it different than anybody else on the, on the fan side of things, it's not just on and off, right? Most people, that's the thing. You turn a fan on, you turn it off. Um, industrial, you might have three speeds max. Um, and so being able to dial in with a variable speed exactly the level of air movement that's needed for a given application. Um, think about welding, you know, welding, you can't have a lot of air movement. It's going to mess up that, that weld. And so how do I provide comfort to a welder? That's not going to damage his end product, right? Damage his, his craft. And so we've really worked with every piece of manufacturing and, and, and industry to say, how do you need to move the air in your space? How do we need to do this? And we also offer what we call Spec Lab. It's our custom 3D airflow analysis of how our products are going to interact in your space. So if you have a large piece of equipment, if you have a certain you know pick aisle, we think of like an Amazon. How is that air going to move in that pick aisle? And how is it going to interact when it actually hits an object? Um, and so a lot of times that offers something different too, right? Instead of just throwing fans up kind of willy nilly or you know wherever you think they might need to be you're actually seeing the solution before you even implement it. And there's a lot of value when you think of some of those larger companies of, great, I'm going to give it to you all. You tell me what needs to be done. Um, here are my objectives and goals of what I need to, you know, from the project, but you guys handle it. You handle the install. You just get everything done. Yeah, they're asking you to help engineer the whole process and architect behind why it's being done. All right, oh, which sir? we've got to pause one second to do our uh, – CAM sponsorship. We want to take a moment to thank our partner, the Kentucky Association of Manufacturers, for over 100 years. CAM has served our state's manufacturing industry through advocacy, workforce development, education, and training, as well as cost-saving benefits for members. Fighting for manufacturers is what CAM does best, representing the industry in both Frankfurt and Washington, D.C. Whether it's advocacy, offering shipping discounts, or group health insurance, CAM has its members covered. Learn more and become a member by visiting www.cam.us.com. Back to our conversation here uh, with Alex. Just wanted uh, to follow up on some of the things we were talking about right before our little break there. But, uh, you know, what I'm hearing is specialization. It is not just taking a fan and putting it in the middle of a room and, you know, here's how we move air and here's how it's going to keep your employees cooler. Uh, but, you know, as I mean, you all went through the branding thing that you mentioned earlier about it was a solution at one point and then it was back to a fan. But ultimately, you're saying we're customizing to make em employers comfortable. We're making it a more um, <coughs> an advantage place to work as opposed to 
being miserable all all day long. So yeah, yeah and, and so we get that. Uh, but in addition, you know, help me understand uh, your employee base. So like, I presume you got a pretty comfortable facility there. Um, <laughs> you know, if you've got, you know, Cam or, or uh, lots of fans or whatever it is that's you know, moving the air and making people comfortable. So what type of people are you looking for to, within your own shop? You know, what type of people, you know, I hear, we talk to manufacturers every day and we're hearing the problems with hiring, you know, so you've got to have good people to produce the products that, that, that strive to make the uh, person that you're selling the fans to or implementing it. Or do you have those people? Is it, has it been a struggle to get them? What do you wish more people knew about your workforce? Um, what, you know, what type of people do you get in Kentucky that are, that are helping you accomplish you know, these goals? So I know that was several questions, but just, Tell us a little bit about your actual workforce as opposed to just what you're doing for other businesses. Yeah, you know, the last year and change has certainly been, you know, challenging. I, I know on everyone, um, for us, it hasn't necessarily been bringing everybody in and, and, and trying to, you know, to be attractive. It, it has been a little bit easier as our name and big ass fans. And I think just the reputation we have um, as a local employer um, with what is to be expected from our manufacturing and production employees. Um, but no doubt there was, you know, some, some getting over kind of that hurdle and, and hump early on of if we don't make the things, then we don't have things to sell. And so even if there's, you know, a certain, Hey, we need to have work from home, you know, let's limit the amount of people that are in a facility so that our production folks can get in there and make this stuff and, and get it shipped out and get it out the door you know, that's certainly a tough pitch, right? I mean, when I'm trying to tell somebody, hey, come here where you're going to work for a specific allotted amount of time um, at this very specific location and you don't have flexibility, um, that is difficult. And, and we understand a lot of our customers have gone through that. It's easier if there's flexibility in your job. What happens if my kids, you know, don't go to school? What happens if they're virtual learning? You know, we've had those situations that we've had to figure out how are we going to help our employees deal with whatever it is that's going to come up in life? And especially this last year, man, more, more has been thrown at us than ever before uh, as a manufacturer. And so how do we continue to help understand what people are going through and not just also say, well, this is just the way it is. How can we continue to, to work with somebody? Right. And, and if that means that certain people need certain things, um, how can we assist that? Um, you know, we've, used to have a cantina that, you know, provided lunch here um, at uh, the Global HQ campus um, for all three buildings, and that had to go away. Um, we no longer do buffet-style type things. Um, so how do we adjust? Um, and so now it's a food truck, you know, pulls out right across the street at manufacturing um, come lunchtime, and, hey, you know, guys, let's head out to the food truck. And so it, it seems like little changes or little things that, that kind of add up to big things. I think that you know, if you were to ask any of our production employees, you know, does that little stuff add up to just kind of the company culture? And do you feel like your, you know, line manager? Do you feel like your HR team? Do you feel like your company as a whole values you? And the reality is, of course, right? And we're going to do as much as possible to show them that. Because without them making the products that we sell, you know, we just don't exist. And so I think that's been a, a big thing for us is continue to invest in our employees. And so investing in those employees often means education. Are you finding employees that are properly trained? Uh, do you think, is there a stigma behind the board manufacturing? Uh, do you feel that the people 
you know, there's lots of times we find a company who says, listen, you know, this isn't Detroit 1950s. You know, we have, you know, this is a very technologically advanced system that people are operating and we need people trained to accomplish this. You know, we're not just putting our bolt in our hole. You know, there's more to this process. So are you finding those people? Do you have those people? Are you, do you feel that our, you know, education systems or our trade schools are producing people that, that can make your business tick? Uh, what is it? What do you think your situation is with your hiring situation? Hiring you know, we system. have more people right now in our production facility than we've ever had in terms of number of bodies. Now, part of that's been because of demand. You know, we just need to have more people over there to get more stuff out the door. And we want to be able to realize that revenue as soon as possible and, and get, get the stuff shipped out. Um, and so we've been able to hire, right, to, to get to that point. But yeah, I mean, we have to train people still. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where if they have at least some sort of production or manufacturing background, you know, what we're doing on the manufacturing side is not so revolutionary or different. You know, it's not rocket science. So we, we're pretty quickly able to adapt somebody with that background. And we've been able to find people with that background. But again, you have to be willing to pay up for it. And you have to be will, willing to invest in, in some education. And we have some production employees um, that don't necessarily want to be production people for the rest of their lives. And that's fine too. And so, you know, some of them have approached us of, I want to get my degree. I want to get my associate's degree. I want to get my bachelor's degree. Hey, what about taking a PMP class, right? I, I want to take a project management certification. Okay, great. Um, we understand the value in that. And, and I think that most of our employees, especially the ones that we have had that conversation with, because it's an open door. If you want to do something, let us know. Um, and I think that they've been willing to come to the table and then also understand this company wanted to invest in me. And so we're going to get more out of an employee that feels like, again, like that we're invested than we ever would by just having that transactional, I punch the clock, like you mentioned, it's the Detroit old school blue collar mentality and, and that's good, right? I mean, like we all like blue collar mentality and doing hard work, but at the same time, are you really invested in me, the person who's doing this stuff for, you know, for you all? Um, and, and it is kind of more of that give and take relationship, you know, as an employer these days, it's, it's not just take. Uh, I think a lot of employers still think that it's just take. Uh, if you just take, then you're not going to get a lot given to you. That's the so. people you're going to get working for you. That's right. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I mean, then we hear um, from a lot of the trade schools that we deal with, the community and technical colleges, as well as, you know, our our friends at, at CAM, at the Kentucky Association of Manufacturers, that we are in need of a certain levels of training. And not every, you know, child needs a four-year degree liberal arts education that there, there is, you know, additional trades that could be learned, that could be done to help manufacturers like yourself stay here. Because... That's what people don't understand a lot of times about the, you know, our education system. Yeah, sure, everybody wants things educated, but it's producing people who help you produce things. And if yep. we're not making, if we're not investing in the right things, then we look up and we have a shortfall of people that can accomplish these tasks. So, yeah, you know, you're a 600-life uh, uh, manufacturing company in Lexington, Kentucky, and, you know, there's only so many people in Lexington. How many, there's only so many people that can accomplish these jobs. So we want to, you know, we want to make sure that they're skilled. Do you feel any... Uh, is there anything that could be addressed to get better employees, uh, to train employees better before they get get to you? Or to, are there programs that you feel like could be better you know, 
better equipping our generation, I guess, the, the next generation to help you know, fulfill Absolutely. these jobs. Yeah, I mean, you know, we try to participate in manufacturing day as much as we can. Uh, you know, I think it's the first Friday in October, typically. Um, it's something that we see a lot of value in. It's just trying to get in front of that next generation, right, that next wave. Let me talk to the high schoolers. Let me get in there. Let me tell them what I need. And, and, and to your point, not everybody has to go to college. If you want to go to college, that's great. If you don't want to go to college and you think, well, wait a minute, can I do something with my skill set that I learned during high school and go make good money and have a career? not just make the good money part, but also have longevity and in, in, in whatever that is. And for us, the answer is absolutely you can. If, if you want to, to move straight from high school into something uh, on the production manufacturing side, the toughest thing to find, you know, logistics people is still tough. Um, it seems like that's an ever expanding, ever growing sector of manufacturing and, and industrial, um, you know, vertical markets. And so I think we need to continue to figure out how do we train these people up, not only just to, to be able to do, you know, quote unquote, production and manufacturing, but we got to get the stuff from A to B too. Um, and, and when you look at our team, you know, we have a, a whole team of people. Uh, I mean, you could have a couple of handfuls of logistics only um, solutions people. And that's. Do you all people. own, do you own your own trucking company or do you all? We don't. Okay. So, so you... we work with, yeah, we work with a lot of, you know, freight shipping companies. We work with several free PLs, you know, third party logistics companies for those folks that might not know it. And if you're not working with them, we would not be able to do what we do on a daily basis and deliver for our customers if we didn't have three PLs. Um, and so being able to, to have those stocking warehouses strategically placed throughout the country helps us better fulfill, right? Just like an Amazon warehouse, right? A fulfillment center. It helps us better fulfill those needs of our customers in certain areas. And so without that continuing to grow and expand, you know, it, it would be awfully tough for us to do as a business on our own um, and to continue to, to deliver for our customers as we grow and expand. So that's probably the one main, you know, sector that we would love to continue to see people trained on that um, and, and bring those people into us because that seems to be in shorter supply, quite honestly, than, you know, just somebody that might be able to be on a production line um, and, and be able to train some of those people. If you don't have that you know, just kind of that background and that brain that can, you know, understand logistics, it's, it's tough to just throw somebody in that spot and try to train them. You really have to have some background and, and knowledge of, you know, how these things are working, uh, compliance, bill of lighting, um, all the different things that go with that to make sure you're checking those boxes too that have to be checked um, from, from, again, a compliance standpoint and just, you know, transportation standpoint. Okay, so I... I'm listening to today's show and I want to do some business with big ass fans or uh, if you're trying to make a certain type of listener understand like we are a fit for you, mm-hmm. you know, who are those people? And, and let, don't give the standard answer of, oh, everybody's a customer. Did it like really like who are the who are the best fits for you? Is it is it your industrial warehouses? Is it your places that are in the south more so than the north? You know, who is it that like you really wish you could get attention in front of to say, listen, this is a better solution than some other ways that you are currently doing it. You know, who are those people that need your information? And then also leave us with your, uh, your contact information or who they need to get in touch with if they, if they want to reach out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is a little bit of everything, so I won't give you the canned answer, <laughs> but we serve Again, you know, 60% of our business is going to be in that manufacturing sector, but we're not saturated um, in that. You know, we have some good exposure, 
and we have a lot of customers that, that have come to us for those solutions. If you're looking to be cooler, and, and when you think of that, it is kind of mainly the South, Texas, Florida, Georgia, obviously here in Kentucky, but Kentucky summers, they get humid and nasty. So a, yeah. um, we can help you with that. Now, and we do a lot of business up North too, though, to be honest. I mean, Target up in Minnesota, you know, we actually help from a de-stratification standpoint. So again, a lot of these manufacturing facilities aren't necessarily conditioned spaces, but they do have BTU heaters. And nine times out of 10, those BTU heaters are at the ceiling. And so we want to move that warm air and that heated air down in the winter and the cooler months to keep your, your workforce nice and toasty um, and, and not being, you know, in a bunch of Carhartt jackets that are oh, ultra thick. Um, we want to be able to keep people comfortable in the winter too. So uh, that's, that's the thing. It is truly a, we have a solution no matter where you are and, and just understand that fans aren't just here, you know, as an afterthought, they're not just something that you throw up when you get a little warm and toasty on a hot, humid day, they can be utilized when you do it from a strategic holistic solution standpoint in, in ways that you didn't necessarily think of before. Um, and, and it can be done from an energy efficient standpoint. And it's a heck of a lot more sustainable and it's going to help your operating costs too, um, even on the, the conditions based side. So uh, that would be the, the one thing. And, you know, you can give us a call. It's real easy to remember the number one eight seven seven big fans. So that's, that's an easy one for folks to, to take home. Good deal. All right. Well, Alex, thank you for being with us today on built in the bluegrass. Uh, we welcome everyone for listening in. We hope that, you know, this is a Kentucky employer uh, manufacturer that is producing products that are getting distributed all over the world. 175 countries is what's in their distribution uh, channel. So that is, uh, all right, Alex, we got 30 seconds here. Tell us the coolest place you've ever put a fan or a coolest place <laughs> that your company has ever, or coolest, haha. No, what is, where's the, where's the place that you're like, we did one in a remote village and blah. Tell us somewhere real cool before we get off. The we topic. did a, a hospital in Rwanda, Butaro Hospital, helped combat tuberculosis with uh, upper room UVGI. So that was a pretty cool, unique application. And again, the last year, you know, that's that's come back around. We've done a lot of those again. Uh, so pretty neat to be able to do those. That is that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a that's a remote one. Did you sell that job? I did not sell that job. It was <laughs> didn't right. have to make that trip myself. All right, good deal. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Built in the Bluegrass. Alex with Big Ass Fans was a, a great contributor today, and we'll talk to everyone next week. Here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Built in the Bluegrass. We hope you're leaving this episode with a better understanding of the cool stuff made in Kentucky. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notified as new episodes become available. Until next time.